I'm super delighted you've joined us for this second week of teaching on choosing joy. And let's pray. God, that person that's on the other side of this camera, that's in desperate need in the midst of this pandemic, they, they're, they're almost to give up. They need healing. They need comfort. They need strength. They need joy. Would you supernaturally use this teaching to strengthen them and to encourage them, and yes, to surprise them with joy? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, guys, I'm so happy you're joining us for this uh, second week of teaching. And as I shared on last week, uh, several weeks ago, a couple weeks ago uh, on NPR, National Public Radio, uh, they put together an incredible panel that was uh, really reflecting on the difficulty of living through this pandemic. And they were trying to unpack this question. Here's the question that they were trying to unpack. During times of stress and great suffering, is experiencing joy impossible, naive, or even callous? And as I said last week, I'm going to take four weeks to try to unpack this, especially from a, a standpoint of faith. So don't just listen to one message. I want you to track us all the way through the series. So last week, I talked about joy. The real question is, is it accessible to you? And we said resounding yes. This week, I'm going to talk about finding joy in some very unique places. Next week, I'm going to talk about what it means to unlock joy. And lastly, we're going to talk about experiencing joy. And on Easter Sunday morning, we're going to put it all together uh, as we move towards reclaiming our joy. So I want to just challenge you. Just walk with us all the way through. Now, here's our text for this entire series and uh, the rite of Hebrews. Here's what he says. Uh, and when he talks about this great cloud of witnesses, he's talking about people who've come through great suffering. And he's writing to a, a, a church community that's undergoing great suffering. Here's what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Shout perseverance. Put that in the chat. Perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, think about him, weigh his actions on your mind, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Notice this piece. It's saying if you consider, if you weigh, if you think about, reflect on who Jesus Christ was as it relates to the cross, it'll keep you from growing weary. I know somebody's out there listening to me right now. You're growing weary. And it'll keep you from losing heart. Another way of saying it, it'll keep you from giving up. That person who's been unemployed for the last three or four months, you're trying to hold on and not lose heart. Uh, that person who is working with that wayward child, you're trying to, in the midst of a challenging time, not able to go to school, learning through a computer, you're trying not to lose heart. That person who's trying to recover, and you're a long hauler, meaning you contracted COVID-19 four or five months ago, and you're still struggling with uh, the, the impact and effect in some really significant ways. You're doing your best not to lose heart. Well, the writer of Hebrews has a word for you. And he says that, that part of the way that we not lose heart is that we discover uh, new ways of accessing fresh strength and new joy on the journey. 
here's the first insight I want to make sure you get is simply this, that we need to know, and when we start talking about joy, joy is greater than happiness. Yes, it includes happiness, it includes pleasure and ecstasy at various points and times, but it's greater than all of that. Uh, look at this diagram, and I talked about this last week. At the intersection between joy and happiness, there's some overlap, right? There's some overlap, like the birth of a brand new baby or your getting that promotion that you've been pursuing, uh, uh, that love of your life ultimately proposing to you. Oh, yes, joy and happiness running together. But there's a larger part of joy that we're really focusing on here that is greater than happiness. It's not a feeling, but it's an attitude. Come on, type in the chat, attitude, shout attitude. It's an attitude, a way of thinking that defies your circumstances. And so the joy that I'm going to be talking about through this series, this is what I'm focusing on, as opposed to happiness, which is primarily about feelings, a feeling based on, yes, circumstances, things, what's going on around you. Circumstances, all right? So, joy. All right, let's, back, let's go back and look at this, this text again. Uh, so what the writer says, if you want to engage in this kind of joy, it starts at a place of faith. Now, of course, that makes sense to us if you're working through suffering and hard times. <laughs> when you think about joy, it's got to start at a place of faith. For the writer of Hebrews, it's not just abstract faith. It's, it's really faith in the God who's shown up in the person of Jesus, who is the pioneer, the one who's gone before us, who is the perfecter of a faith that uh, that leads us into joy. You remember I told you last weekend that the scripture says that in, that in the presence of God is the fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures evermore. That, that everything we're experiencing here on earth is just a, just a kind of a foreshadowing of something even greater. And then he says, for the joy set before him, who? Jesus. He endured the cross, scorning his shame, and then ultimately sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then he says, look, consider him. He's saying, if you're going through really tough times right now and that you're about to give up, you're about to lose heart, consider him. Now, last week I told you that Jesus is first and foremost is a man of joy. We talked about his first miracle being at a wedding, a place of joy. You find other examples of Jesus being a person of joy as you read through the text. For example, one of the famous scriptures about Jesus is hearing him say, let the little children come to me. Well, the reason he said that was because tons of kids were, 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 were swarming him and his disciples were trying to keep them away. Well, here's the deal. Kids only swarm adults who are full of a lot of fun and a lot of joy. They don't do that for fuddy-duddies. <laughs> so clearly, Jesus was not a fuddy-duddy. But of course, Isaiah 53 reminds us that he's also a man of sorrow. And some of you listening to me right now, you feel like a man of sorrow, a woman of sorrow. And we find him in this moment of horrendous crucifixion. And, 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 and the writer of Hebrews says, okay, now I want you to think deeply about him, especially in relationship to this thing of joy as you try to find that special uh, access to joy will help you to keep moving forward. All right, so here's the deal. As we think deeply about him, here's, here's the first discovery that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make. We're going to find that joy shows up in some unexpected places. Remember, Jesus is on this Roman cross that's where he's being crucified. 
joy in unexpected places. Uh, joy in some surprising places. Joy in some strange places. Come on, type that in the chat. Joy in some strange places. You can find it at uh, the right of Hebrew, which suggests as we consider Jesus. Now, uh, in order to make sure that you've got the right mental posture, here's some things you need to know. First is, don't feel guilty if joy is missing from your experience right now. I was talking to one of our members and partners the other day who's going through a horrendous time. Since this past, I heard your message, but I just really couldn't connect with it because, listen, I'm not feeling joy anywhere. And I, I, I said to her, that's, that's cool. First of all, don't exit at the intermission. Just stay with me as we work through the series. And secondly, don't feel any guilty about the fact that joy is, is missing. You don't feel it. I, 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 it's, it's cool. All right? Because the second point is extremely important. And it is, th- it, it, it is this. Be honest about all your emotions. The only way when you're going through suffering for you to tap the joy that defies circumstances is that you've got to be honest about all of your emotions. Now when we go back and we find Jesus on the cross in this next verse, uh, you see that we're, that we're focused on. This is this notion. I just talked about him being a man of great joy. I mean, think about all the scriptures that talked about him healing sick people, for example, and how all of those experiences were surrounded by this explosion of joy. So, so he knew all of that, right? But here on the cross, the text says he endured the cross. As, as I mentioned uh, last week, the Roman cross was, a, was an instrument of capital punishment. So first of all, you end up there, you're, you're, you're supposed to be found guilty. We know Jesus was innocent, and so here... Uh, this is the greatest expression of injustice in Jesus' life. And then, of course, the way that they would uh, the, nail him to the his ha- spikes in his hands and his feet and beat him beyond recognition. This was the, uh, and then hung him out publicly. Uh, most scholars believe totally naked. Sometimes they would cover your face to save you some dignity, but he was totally uncovered, not even his face. And this, this notion of enduring the cross, this notion of scorning or despising, this, this public shame. So, so, so Jesus on the cross, you know, this is like the worst trauma one can have, the worst tragedy one can have, the worst experience of injustice one can have right there on the cross. And so, uh, uh, here's the insight that we want to uh, kind of just focus on. All right, so here's the next point then. So we've got to realize that joy and sorrow can exist at the same time. When we're thinking about Jesus on the cross, lean in here. One of the things we're going to be accessing is that it's possible for joy and sorrow to exist together. At the same time. All right. Here's a picture of uh, Rick Warren and his wife, Kay. Kay Warren. And uh, back in 2003, his wife uh, came down with breast cancer, first stage. And then a year later, it became melanoma. She, she was diagnosed with that, a worse form of cancer. And at some point, the doctors had given up on her. So much so that Rick Warren sent out a letter to all of us pastors who had been tracking him and following him and saying, essentially... The doctor says there's nothing else they can do for his wife and that it's totally in God's hands. And then he shared an image that has stuck with me. And she uses this image in her book, which is also entitled 
choose joy. We'll talk about it shortly. It's this image he, he used in the letter that he sent out of this railroad track. And he said, you know what? Life is like a railroad track that has two rails. One rail is a rail of joy and another rail is a rail of sorrow. And so often they're moving at the same time, in the same direction, he says. You see, at that very moment that he was looking at losing his wife to cancer, he had just written, written one of the most popular books in human history, The Purpose Driven Life. He turned him into a major spiritual Christian leader, a major mega leader and a multi-millionaire. And churches was following his lead all over the country and were great joy. And at the same time, his wife has just been diagnosed and the doctor just walked in the room and says, there's nothing else that we can do for her. Great sorrow. And I remember him saying that so often uh, uh, when, you're, when you're rolling down the tracks, that on one rail is hallelujah, praise God, and the other rail is God, help me. Somebody can relate to that right now as, you, as, you, as you're struggling through maybe great stuff happening on your job and horrible things happening in your marriage, right? Praise God, God, help me. Wonderful image here. All right, here's, here's the next insight. So if you want to then, uh, the, the, the suggestion I'm making is that so often we see the rail of sorrow but we don't see the rail of joy, but it's still there. So what you and I have to do is we have to expand our category of joy. We have to expand how we understand the, uh, ex the expression of joy. Now, here's the first category. Here's how most of us relate to joy, right? Smile, laughter, ecstasy, uh, happiness. Let me give you a perfect example. I remember the first time that I, had a ch that I kissed my wife, Rhonda. We were college students back at Grandma State University. I don't know, I think it was about 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night. We're sitting on the steps of one of the academic buildings. I had just finished uh, wooing her with Shakespeare. Love is not love that alters when its alteration finds a bend with a remover to remove. Oh, no, it's an ever-fixed mark that looks on temperance and is never shaken. I had just finished serenading her with uh, one of Elvis Presley's tune. Uh, wise men say, uh, fools should not rush into love, but baby, I can't help but fall in love with you. And then there was the lead, and then there was the kiss, and oh my goodness, smiles and laughter and ecstasy and awe and happiness and, and the ground beneath us shook and the stars started to shoot. It was awesome. <laughs> you get the point, right? And it was awesome until our first big argument. <laughs> but this is our sense of joy, right? Now, when you think about this, you go, go to the text. Look at this. When you think about this, you say, well, Jesus is enduring the cross. He's, he, he, the, the crucifix and the agony of the cross. We, we have the gospel writers telling us him how he cried out in pain in loud voices. We have him screaming, quoting books, books uh, verse, like Psalm 
The psalmist says he declared, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You have all of this. Now ask yourself the question, does that first category of joy, does it fit anywhere in here, right? Are there any smiles with him? Are there any laughter going on? Is there any ecstasy, any awe, any happiness? And the answer is absolutely not. And so now you got to think about your life. Does those words fit in your life at this very moment? Are there any smiles? Are there any laughter? Come on. Any ecstasy? Any happiness? Any sense of awe? And perhaps the answer is absolutely not. But that doesn't mean that that rail is not running there hidden in the dark. Hmm. All right. Let's look at the second category. You know, one of the things that was remarkable on that NPR special, you know, they had some social justice and some psychiatrists and hospital chaplains and people calling in from all over the world. And the psychiatrists who had been studying this for the last 10 years, studying joy and, and human emotions and all that, it's real science built around that. Now, he says, look, our definition of joy is just too narrow. It's what I just described. He says they've identified at least eight other words that create kind of an expanded expression of joy. We just are not aware of it. We, we, we use these words without thinking about it. I took the, the words that he suggested and I've looked and I've added a few others that come out of this text that fit kind of the contour of how, they, how they're understanding it. Here's the first one. Hope-filled expectation. Expectation about the future. We, you see that in the text when it says, for the joy that was set before Jesus, right? Here's some more uh, examples. Contentment is a source of joy. Come on. Conviction is a source of joy. Gratitude is a source of joy. Compassion is a place and source of joy. Faithfulness is a source of joy. Now, let's leave this here. Let me just, let me just talk about this a few moments. Let's give you some examples. So, hope-filled expectation. You see it immediately in the text for the joy that was set before. We see that, right? You just think about it like this. You, you, you think about your senior year just before you graduate. No matter how much stuff breaks loose, <laughs> the hope-filled expectation of graduation carries you through. What about contentment? You know, one of the uh, verses that a lot of Jesus follows quote is this text out of Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that verse comes out of a context. And the context of that verse is Paul saying, listen, I've learned how to live uh, when, when God blesses me and I'm living kind of high on the hog. And I've learned how to live when I'm living at the bottom of life. I, 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 I've learned uh, how to live when, when I'm full and, and well fed. And I've learned what to do when I'm hungry, how to be. And he says, you know what the secret is? contentment I've learned to be content to be grateful and thankful for where I am you know one of the multi-millionaires was asked uh, decades ago he had, they said sir you have you have millions of dollars how much more do you need before you're going to be happy and his answer was just a little bit more <laughs> and then there's conviction here's a great story about conviction you know, my, my grand aunt who died of cancer on the last day of her life she was so, her conviction was so strong that her death, and she knew she was dying, was going to put her in the presence of God. She couldn't wait. 
full of anticipation. They told, she told my, her sister, who was my grandmother, to do her hair. They put her in a fresh gown. And they just, just painted this picture of her smile, the joy, the great expectation that came out of a place of great conviction. Your conviction is the source of joy. And then gratitude. Gratitude. One, one of the people pointed out in the panel, I thought it was very uh, insightful, that, you know, when we think about grief, that grief is itself the flip side of the corn of gratitude. Corn of gratitude. Because you're grieving the loss of someone who brought great joy to you. I was thinking about this the other day. I was with a family who lost a young adult in a really tragic way. And I was visiting with them. We're sitting out on the back porch in a social distance way. And we were talking about this young man. There was such grief, such heaviness in the air as you would imagine, as they were living through the worst tragedy anyone could imagine. But then, uh, as I facilitated our time, they began to remember stories about this young man. My goodness, they, they remembered how when he was even a baby, a young, his EQ, his emotional uh, capacity was of such that he always knew just what to do or say to make people happy. And, and, and they remembered how, you know, 19, 20 years old, he became this great chef, self-taught him how he could take the juice that's poured off of peas, the, the tips that cut off the carrots, uh, spoiled bananas, and, and transform that into homemade ice cream and, and um, um, uh, 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 cookies and, and granola to, make, to die for, right? And, and, and how he had a silliness about him that just, you know, he could get into that mode and people would just crack up. And as they were sharing stories, yes, tears were still there. Yes, there was the sadness that was out there on the porch. The tragedy was still real. And yet there were smiles and laughter and sense of joy as they remembered. That hidden rail running right beside great sorrow, gratitude, had tapped it. Then, of course, there's compassion. Anyone who's done work of compassion and certainly there's faithfulness. I was thinking about, I'm thinking about uh, I've known four husbands who have lost their wives in the last year and a half. Usually women outlive men. In this case, I have four husbands, actually five. And, and, and each one of them was faithful, meaning they cared for their wife as their wife suffered some of the, the, all, over, all the different seasons of illness all the way to death. They were there. And there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's something that comes from knowing you're faithful. That person who shows up in the midst of, a, of, a, of all of a sudden you're in a situation where you've got to stand up, you've got to speak up for for righteousness, you got to stand up, you got to speak up for justice, and, and it may not even break your way, but you know you were faithful. That, that adult child that's really working to care for their, 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 their parent that's going through a horrendous season of life, and you can't fix it, you can't change it, but, 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 but you're bringing your best every day, and you know you're being Faithful, so that when it's all said and done, that there, there's, 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 a, there's something that comes from knowing you were faithful. Now, go back to that text as we see Jesus on the cross. 
Was he smiling? No. Was he laughing? No. Was there ecstasy here? No. Was, was there, uh, was there this sense of happiness feelings that are connected to the circumstance? Absolutely no. A sense of all, no. None of that is there. But is there a hope-filled expectation? Oh, for the joy set before him. Yes. Is there a conviction that when it's all said and done, come on now, he's going to sit down at the right hand of the Father because he knows how to, yes. Is there, is there, is there, is there compassion? Well, we hear the writer of 1 John declaring, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for us. Yes, there's compassion. Is there faithfulness there? Yes, he's faithful all the way to the point of death that he might create salvation and grace and atonement for you and for me. Yes, there's a hidden rail of joy. Right along the side. Not a feeling, but an attitude that defies circumstances right here. All right, let me wrap this up. Here's another picture of Kay. Kay actually survived, guys. The doctors came to the end of their rope. They knew nothing. And miraculously, the Lord delivered her. And here in 2021, she's alive and thriving. I'm going to return to this story in next week or before the series is over because I know some of you are saying, well, God hasn't worked that kind of miracle in my life. I want to revisit that. Come on, so stay with me in this series. But Kay Terza shares a story in the book that she wrote. And I told you, here's the book that we're, we're using as a, as a kind of companion text to this. I encourage you to get it uh, to this series. Choose joy because what? Happiness isn't enough. And uh, go back to our picture. Kay shares a story in this book about a time in her life that she came across an amazing discovery. She found joy in an unexpected place, a surprising place. Here's how she describes it. For a three-month period of time, this is going to look and feel like some of what you guys are living through. Uh, First of all, her grandson was born prematurely, almost died. Secondly, her daughter-in-law, who gave birth to the grandson, after giving birth, found out she had a tumor in her brain. She had to go through three surgeries. They almost lost her. They thought she was going to be paralyzed and blind. Ultimately, God brought her through. And then finally, Kay herself said she had to have knee surgery because of the damage that happened to her knees standing on hard floors. And then she said uh, that she experienced almost nightly nightmares as she relived, I'm talking about a three-month period of time, as she relived all the horrible things that I just described to you. I think it's important for you guys, you to know, that here's a spiritual giant who's being transparent and honest and saying, you know, all this stuff that you're feeling, all of us who walk with the Lord, we feel that stuff. Jesus went through it himself. And uh, she said one night she couldn't sleep. Also, one of her relatives, a person who she loved, uh, was having mental health struggles and had to be put in a hospital all that three-month period of time. She said, ultimately, she got up one night and she just 
felt surrounded by darkness. She says, God, I'm so tired of being in this dark place. She says, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of my loved ones being in this dark place. And she started looking up scriptures about darkness. And, and, and to her surprise, she came across Isaiah 45. And, and, and here's what this text says. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. And she stopped. She knew that initially this was about the Gentile king Cyrus, uh, who God was uh, led to discover this enormous wealth that then enabled Cyrus to release uh, the Jewish community from captivity in what used to be Babylon, right? And now it became Persia and sent them back to build the temple. Those of you who receive a, an email from me every day, uh, a few days ago I sent you an email that had that scripture in Ezra 2 in it where he says God has assigned me this great work. Well, it was empowered because he came across these treasures, found these enormous treasures hidden. But she says that as she read that, she felt like God was saying, okay, there's some hidden treasures in the darkness of your suffering. And she says, oh, no, God, I don't, if there's hidden treasures in the darkness of my suffering, I don't want to find them. I'm like just finished with suffering. But as she struggled through it, she came to a place of surrender. And she wrote that at some point, if we got to decide that we're going to trust God or we're not going to trust him, we don't have to understand him to trust him. And she says in another place, don't let you, don't let what you know about God be undermined by what you don't know. She said, I'm going to trust. She made the decision. And, and, and God brought her through and began to show her some of the hidden treasures that emerged in her life because of how he brought her through the dark suffering, treasures in the darkness. Listen to what Henry Nowen says. I think this is profound what he says. Uh, 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 go ahead to next. Go to Henry now. Here's what he writes. Our cup is often so full of pain that joy seems completely unreachable. When we are crushed like grapes, and she was being crushed like grapes, we cannot think of the wine that we will become. Hidden in the darkness of suffering as we are being crushed like grapes, we're becoming wine. But we can't imagine it, can we? Here's what Kay ultimately writes of the treasures that she discovered because of having pushed through the darkness that God walked her through. It says first, she says, the treasure that came out of her bout with cancer was that she now relates to people with life-threatening illnesses. And she's a big, been a strong advocate for those who have HIV and AIDS. And she says, today, she, she, she can look at somebody and says, I don't know what it feels like to have HIV and AIDS, but I know what it feels like to have a life-threatening disease, a situation, illness. And she's been filled with empathy and compassion, new forms of joy. She says she's learned... Uh, 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 that she can now face death. She says she was never afraid of what would happen to her when she dies. She knew that Jesus was the source of her eternal salvation, but she's afraid of the process of death. She says, but now God has delivered her from that fear and oh, what joy she has as a result of it. Another treasure, she says, she knows how precious and fragile life is. And, 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 and rather than dreaming about growing old and, and being on the 
porch with her husband, you know, in her 80s and 90s. She knows that, that could, she could lose her life just like that. So you know what? She finds joy in every day. She's not afraid of the future, but it, she, it, it forces her to find joy in her day. Because all she has is today. And then she says her intimacy with Jesus has grown as they have, have walked through all of this together. You know, someone the other day asked me, she says, look, well, I'm not a Jesus follower. We have a lot of people who are connected to NBCC who are not Jesus followers. They haven't made that decision. I said, look, can I know Jordan? She says, of course, in terms of God. And says, of course, but whatever experience you have of God uh, now, it's so much better to find God in Jesus who you know is someone who walks with you and relates exactly to where you are. And then finally, she says she's learned how to appreciate and even anticipate heaven because that's the place where broken bodies and broken minds will be healed. Wow. And in the darkness of her suffering, she found that rail of joy treasures in the darkness. Lord, give us the strength as you hold on to us. We don't want to hold on to you. You hold on to us that you might help us to find treasures in the darkness. Joy. Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Okay, here, here's the deal. How, how are you going to respond to this message, especially finding joy in dark places? Here's what I want to suggest. Popping up uh, in Facebook right now, and also it's in our app, is our connection card. So just go to our connection card, go to the Sunday section, go to Next Steps, and you've got some options. The first of those options is an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus, to become a Jesus father, the ultimate source of uh, ultimate joy. And then there are some other options there for you to consider. And then under the reflection, under the uh, response to the message, there are two uh, options there. The second of those two options, that I hope you check yes, is if you want to receive a prayer and a scripture from me every day from this point forward to Easter, just check that box. Say yes, and you'll start receiving tomorrow. The first is our response to the message, and I'm hoping that you'll make this commitment. It's simply this. Uh, I will expand my understanding of joy. Think about that second category of joy that I taught about in the message and begin to expand your understanding of joy. Here's the reflection question. I want to challenge you to take a picture of it. If someone is in the room with you, discuss it. What joy have I found hidden in the darkness?